Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who commentary podcast which accentuates the positive and sees if I, Toby Haydock, can guess what my special guest's favourite things about a particular story are. Hello, I'm Ian McLachlan and uh, I have been a fan of Doctor Who since the 30th of November 1963 when I saw the repeat of Unearthly Child. Now, the story I have chosen is the Dalek Master Plan. Well, welcome. It's episode two of this epic trick. Uh, I am taking with Ian K. McLachlan, veteran Doctor Who fan, whose voice you've just heard, uh, introducing himself. He's uh, one of the earliest fan names I ever read, and he's uh, uh, probably met more people from the uh, dawn of the show than... uh, I could even count to be so envious about. Uh, you often hear his voices on his voice on. If you see a DVD extra where somebody like William Ems is being interviewed on stage, it's probably Ian doing the interviewing. So uh, what a pathfinder! Uh, but let's see uh, what he and indeed what I and maybe what you make of episode two. It's the day of Armageddon. What a title! Uh, I'm on episode select on the Doctor Who Lost in Time DVD, still available from all good. DVD shops, uh, and I am going to play. Uh, I'm going to press select in three, two, one. Well, how exciting is this? I'll tell you how. Because when I was a time topped, this was a missing episode, and this very disc that I am watching. Uh, I mean, I would have ordered anyway. I, I love an orphaned episode. Uh, I never quite understand people who say. Uh, Oh, I'd, I'd like episodes one and four of The Invasion Back or episode three of The Web of Fear before anything else because they would complete a story. No, I would like a fragment of a story we have nothing of. Uh, and Master Plan, I mean, Master Plan would benefit from a couple more fragments because uh, it changes location. Uh, and I, I think we could do with some bits from later in the story. Um, but this was this was really exciting uh, when 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 this returned and this this lost in time DVD set. It was the first time any of us had seen it. I think I I was on the restoration team forum when I learnt of the return of uh, the day of Armageddon. It's it's gone now, but it was a place where you could dip in and uh, the restoration team who were in charge of making these pictures beautiful and always had ears out for returned episodes and things. Uh, and and broke news to fans and also had to deal with people being assholes and eventually decided not to do it anymore. Um, uh, the the forum that is. Um, uh, it's lovely seeing the Daleks outside the TARDIS. Actually, there's nothing nothing more alarming of an image. So that must have been a great cliffhanger that I didn't talk about last week. Sorry. Um, it's great to have some more Hartnell. It's great to have some more of this story because this episode wasn't sold abroad. So the chances of us having anything of it, I didn't realise that as a kid. I thought the 12 episodes, you think one would turn up, but actually then when you investigate uh, and and discover that, oh, you know, nobody actually uh, bought this because it was so distressing. Uh, the fact that we've had three episodes turn up in odd circumstances uh is is very encouraging means anything could be out there he's a very chipped dalek isn't he he's a battle scarred scorosian but they look great i love the way that marvik chen writes uh with his with his pencil between his uh, index and his pinky uh his little finger uh 
everything Kevin Stoney does is glorious. This is a great entrance for Zephon as well. Um, a lovely shooting. Look how far back he is in that set and and uh, uh, a sort of silhouetted. I mean, he's, he's he's in a dark cloak anyway, but silhouetted to all intents and purposes in that in that doorway, which looks like a shaft of light, but it's not. It's just a ramp, but it's it's a beautiful piece of shooting. It just shows how much of a Douglas Camfield episode we're missing by its absence. Um, I mean, it's, there's a there's a a, a, a brave attempt. Uh, I, I like the way they both have a different greeting. Zephon sort of raises his hands skyward, and Marvik Chen does the the you know hands clasped to get together. Um, I, and I, I love the fact that we can't see Zephon's face, so just his lettuce hands give us an indication of what sort of a creature he might be. Oh, I just saw a member of the crew in the the corner of the set. But um, uh, Marvik Chen, they're pointing with his little finger. Um, and I like that they, they say, you know, you, you did, Zephon says, I did this thing. And he said, ah, yeah, but not, not as much as Trantis. And I, I, I like the fact that they sort of invoke the, 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 the different aliens that we have populating this conference. Because you, I, think, I think it's the sort of thing that as a kid you maybe create backstories for all of the different ones or your imagination about what these creatures are. And just, just having them mentioned in a sentence when they're off screen gives them a sort of life. Um, and, it, and it is a disappointment, I think, that we don't get more of the... Uh, the delegates of the the weird and wonderful creatures that make up this part of the story. Um, that's not a complaint. I just love them, um, uh, and uh, I don't think they ever quite fulfil their potential after their, you know, tantalising debut in in Master Plan. And this is about as um, in Mission to the Unknown. And this is about as, as as good as they get. I know some of them come back later, but this this here at least we have the full contingent, bar obviously the changes that have been made since Mission to the Unknown, where the the giant Christmas tree has vanished and uh, uh, and Salation has has arrived, um, but we will see from the different ways that Zephon and Marvik Chen greeted each other that everyone has their own way of doing their hands, which is which is a brave attempt to you know try and differentiate them and say well you know we can do the embodiment Gris I love that as a name, uh, um, and, and again it, it it gives a it gives a suggestion of you know outer politics of 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 other machinations of you know it's so often when it's a great shot close up of Marvik Chen here and Kevin Stone is. Uh, facial performance is so has such, so many fleeting subtleties but I, yes the, the suggestion that in, in a series where often a planet can be represented by 20 people <laughs> uh, you know and, and literally we, 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 it's, it's kind of these 20 people are every opinion on the planet uh, or sometimes I mean I'm being optimistic yeah, sometimes it's two um, that the idea that the different galaxies have factions and 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 uh, you know Zephon can't say that he speaks for a particular thing because of this other thing and uh, you know that suggests a bigger galaxy or universe or whatever whatever you want it to be uh that black dalek looks absolutely magnificent uh just what a little paint job can do steven sporting rocking a corduroy jacket there and the first uh sort of proper footage we have of katarina i know she's in that clip uh but, but in, in episode from episode four that survives but she she doesn't get to do much because she's got a hand clasped over her mouth um She's a she's a funny little thing, isn't she? She's uh, she's a slightly sort of strange and slightly beguiling presence. I, I know some people were quite you know didn't think she was up to much. I think she's I think she's 
I think she's quite sweet. And as I say, a little bit like she's a little bit detached from the whole thing because she is this sort of Trojan handmaiden, sort of ripped out of time. Um, it's odd, though, the whole Katerina thing. You know, she joins at the end of the last story, having played no part in it, really, apart from to rescue Stephen. Um, uh, and, and is... And is uh, and is and is is you know dead before she's out of the uh, out of the crib in televisual terms very odd um but anyway it helps to give this this adventure a a, 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 a you know that that she is yes it is a strange performance but i quite like it and i like the way that william hartnell's doctor is with her he's very um, you know, slightly paternalistic, which I, I know is, you know, I mean, slightly different things these days. But uh, there, he, here, he's sort of comforting, and he is, especially as a doctor, can be quite sort of crutchety and cross. Although I don't think Hartnell's doctor is ever as as crutchety and cross as the the character of legend. You know, as well. I, I know he, he gets stroppy sometimes, but uh, uh, he's uh, well, yeah, he's, he's he's slightly, I suppose, he's impatient, but he's not unpleasant. Um, uh, handsome, lovely Nicholas Courtney as Brett Vion. The James, is he the James Bond of Outer Space or is Mark Corey or are they both? Who cares? They're, they're both square-jawed heroes played by lovely actors. Um, oh, and we had this. Here we are suddenly on film. Gosh, this is really good quality on film. And you can see the, you can see the shadow on the backdrop of the ferns there. But this is, uh, but this, yeah, these, these pyro flames are superb. Uh, and we had this for a bit and this was the, it was almost a shame an episode turned up that we'd already got bits of, but not really. But yeah, I, and I remember when I first saw this clip on Daleks the early years, I was quite impressed with how long a clip it was. Um, and this is great. This is just an extra bit of, and I think, you know, if you're a kid, again, that the, 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 you live with the suckers, you don't mind them. Um, and that's good use of lighting there because uh, Brett's back in the studio. Um, uh, but But to have, you know, different editions and to have flames, I mean, you know, it's a big deal. That's why they have to do it on film. Uh, but it's a lovely sequence, um, and yeah, the, the fact that, that that Stephen is injured again helps to add to this kind of the stakes are high when they're on the run. It's not quite like the chase where you know time is against them, but here it seems that you know with 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 people able to die and get injured and all of this sort of thing, and and we we know we lose people. Uh, it, it it just seems you know more adult in a way or grimmer and. Uh, that's what I kind of like, but I, but I also, you know, Doctor Who must never lose its sense of breathtakingly exciting uh, adventure and fun. Um, but I, uh, but I think when it when it decides to do do grim in the way that it it, it, it balances the the stuff here because there's enough humour in uh, in in uh, in Hartnell and in and in Kevin Stoney actually particularly that it's you know it's not dour. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's <laughs> that's a great uh that's a, that's that's great action from uh, Brett Vian and uh Hartnell Hartnell betters him well the the doctor actually uh, gets the better of Brett but but uh it's not the moment it should be because Hartnell slightly fluffs the line but he he maintains his composure and he uh, and uh, it's it's good to see the doctor giving as good as he gets um but if the daleks are doing something they shouldn't be doing <laughs> um 
again, this fire is absolutely marvellous. It looks terrific. And uh, the wonderful sounds, the strange alien shapes. This is, you know, this is really transporting me into into uh, strange new worlds territory. And I, and I love it. And it's, it's actually quite unusual for Doctor Who, which is, you know, often set in the past or in the, the you know, in the, in the present. Alien or alien worlds are, are, you know, interiors, corridors, you know, complexes or whatever having a sort of alien shaped and sound jungle and then and then you know making it good enough that you can burn it down in close-up i think is i think is lovely this feels this feels like a you know proper big adventure um but yes this is this is like a kind of war film really isn't it it's a it's a it's a commando unit on the run uh having to blow it's like the sort of guns of navarone or something like that but in a in a bbc studio and uh uh you know, in, in, instead of, um, you know, what, what a base or a dam or a, or a place in the Alps, you know, a castle full of Nazis. You know, there's a there's a there's a base down there with the with with the Daleks and their and their strange bunch of allies. Um, um, Nicholas Court is already having to do his slightly baffled with the Doctor, but I'll go along with it stuff, which he, of course, perfects later. But I think he's great as this ruggedly handsome uh, 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 space guy. Uh, the lighting here is absolutely stunning, suggesting the flame playing on the nips. There's the sort of air of purred, quiet amusement that Kevin Spurtstoney has is is glorious. And uh, but, you know, and that. But the, he never fails to give us the sense that this 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 is an overweening arrogance that uh, that Marvik Chen has. But he does it without making the character over the top, and I think that is glorious. Uh, and and you know you you like him, uh, and it's a curious makeup he has, isn't it? This uh, this uh, you know, and I suppose we have to be slightly uneasy that uh, oh, I can just see a spar out. That that's a photo of the spar in there. Uh, I hadn't noticed that before. It's the good quality of this, and I'm watching on a bigger screen than normal. Um, and he does brilliant stuff here, uh, Kevin Stoney, when he uses the set and and uh, and sort of plays with it like it's a like it's a jail cell that's uh, that's that's keeping him prisoner. Um, and then he does that little look. Oh, he is so good. And whereas Zephon is flagging himself for extermination by being the biggest prick uh in the galaxy yeah i'll keep uh waiting um yeah so marvik chen uh, makes us uh, well we'll t i'm sure we'll be able to talk about uh yeah but i have to acknowledge that uh yeah there's uh there's uh, it, do you know what? it didn't occur to me when i was a kid that's that marvik chen might be uh might have a suggestion that he's uh um you know he's there's, there's an element of um that, uh, you know, a, a, a Caucasian actor playing an Oriental character. I because uh, I, I didn't see Chen. I, I understand obviously it's obvious where the provenance of Chen is suggested to come from now. But when when there's people called Zephon and Vion, and I just thought Chen was just an, an, another name, really. Um, and and yeah, obviously we I think we feel we feel uh, slightly uneasy um, about um, suggestions of yellow face and all, all of that these days. Um, and, and rightly so, um, but uh, it should not distract us from the fact that uh, that's not Kevin Stoney's fault, or indeed 1965's fault, uh, and uh, that he's doing a, f a fantastic job of the character. And in uh, 
going round about in order to um, uh, uh, try to um, not cause offence with my phraseology whilst addressing a thorny subject. Uh, I'm, I miss the different uh, entrance walks of the uh, of the aliens, which are, again are a oh, and here's Zephon's feet because I'd seen a picture of Zephon quite early on a picture that i then never saw printed for ages and ages and ages but it's in one of the early doctor who magazines and then uh and it's odd because we don't have any other photos from this episode do we so but they, they got one of zephon they don't get that but there isn't one of any of the other aliens bizarrely um and it just seemed a bit odd that they 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 didn't do a photo shoot for the for the for the uh, vast array of delegates that are in Daleks Masterplan, which is why we don't have proper photos of, uh, I know we've got a couple of set photos where Trantis and uh, Salation are in the background but we don't have this one's version of, of Malpha because even though we've got moving footage here, it's not it's not the Malpha that we see uh, later on because this is an extra uh, this, is, this is Roy Evans playing Trantis uh, but he wasn't that character in Mission to the Unknown uh, and I think it's Brian Edwards isn't it and Ian East as Malpha and Salation they don't play those characters later because they're non-speaking in this so you have an extra so all of these other uh, ones are extras um, uh, including this strangely feminine one who we've not, who's not in Mission to the Unknown, the, the sort of lady gimp, uh, and then there's the other one that's the uh, the astronaut that in the in Mission to the Unknown is is a, is a black actor, Sam Mansare. Uh, whereas here uh, we we can't actually see the actor's face, um, uh, but we don't we don't actually have photos of them from later on in the story when a couple of them are speaking actors. So you know they will look sl slightly different because they played by different actors ian east uh, is replaced by terence woodfield who had been in the ark uh, and i i think they both died on the same day a couple of years ago i remember i punched them together in my in memoriam video um which is a, a strange question and ian east uh, went on to have you know decent acting career speaking parts from the bill and various bits and bobs uh, but he's non-speaking in this uh as the bald salation um But yes, that but but odd that the, that they didn't take uh, didn't take photos of the of the the aliens, uh, you know, proper photos. We have, yeah, we have uh, later salation. We have Terence Woodfield salation and and Roy Evans uh, as Trantis in in a in the background of a set photo. Um, but we don't have Alf Roberts as Malpha, uh, who Alf Roberts from Coronation Street, Brian Mosley. Um, Have I missed the? There's a, there's a line reading that uh, uh, Nick Courtney gives in this. I think it might be earlier where uh, where he's he says he's supposed to say something like "Who cares about history?" and he and he does it as a kind of philosophical. Oh, who cares about history? Whereas I think on the paper it's more of a sort of tough guy nation chewing a cud, you know, flemmy spitty. You know, who cares about history? I'm a tough guy, but but Nick Nick Courtney can't help but uh uh inject a little bit of the philosophical into his uh, hard bitten exterior which is, i think makes him such a uh, an enjoyable performer um although you know which is why i would never quite cast him as the toughest of tough guys although actually he's he's great in inferno so uh perhaps he had to really dig deep for that uh uh so yes of course uh 
the doctor is disguised as Zephon, even though uh, all they have to do is look at his bare um, seaweed feet. Um, uh, but I, it, it's great that he's he's uh, he's he's doing this disguise, and it means that because he's got Zephon's cloak on, we do get to see Zephon's face before uh, we lose the moving pictures once again. Uh, but oh, but Julian Sherrier, interesting talking about actors. Um, you know, blacking up or whatever. Um, uh, often Elroy Josephs as Jamaica. Well, he's referred to as the first black actor in Doctor Who, um, uh, but actually the first black speaking part for accredited actor is uh, is Dwight Wiley in the, in the War Machines because he's playing himself as a radio announcer. Um, but there are there are black extras, and Sam Mansouray probably has a line in Mission to the Unknown because they all say "agreed." Um, so he could count if you want to. I never like things when 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 somebody asks a thing as you know who is what, what how many actors did this or who's the first actor to do that. When people um, don't do credited actors because that just that just muddies the water. You're talking about extras and you know I th- I, th- I think for sort of statistics and things like that you have to draw the line with actors who are playing a credited part and actors who are hired because extras are hired under different circumstances and all of that sort of thing. Uh, anyway, um, so. Um, so sometimes people will ask me a thing online and I'll, you know, which actors did this? And you go, blah, blah, blah. And somebody goes, aren't you forgetting blah, 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 who played an uncredited thing? No, I'm, I'm not forgetting. I'm just drawing a line. Uh, but thanks for trying to outwit me when I'm helping somebody in my spare time. Oh, I'm not bitter. I'm not. I just, I just find it slightly irritating and I'm allowed to say so. I love, uh, I love the blackness of the, the Daleks. The Daleks are such a cracking design. But Julian Cherrier, yes, who plays Zephon, uh, uh, was of Indian origin, uh, uh, and uh, look, th- yes, look, they all have different ways of. The- Again, this is Douglas Canfield sort of being. Oh, and I like the fade between the two tables. You know, they 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 all hold their hands in a different way, or they bang the table in a slightly different way, so that each alien has a different movement. Nowadays, we've got you know choreographers uh, sorting out all of that sort of thing. Um, but then it's just like, right, you you hold two fingers in that way. You put one hand forward. You you slightly waft yours. Um, uh, and, uh, and and I think that that looks slightly hokey to modernise. I think the fact that they all, they all walk in a certain way because you know, maybe partially because they aren't you know there's no intense choreography that's gone on either. But um, but I think it's a laudable attempt to to make everybody a little bit different. Kevin Stoney has such attack. Uh, and such authority. And look at Roy Evans's spiky teeth. Uh, Roy uh, is still going strong. I got a letter from him last year or so. He's in his 90s now. Uh, and he's also... Uh, he's Bert the Miner in Green Death. And he's another miner in uh, Monster of Peladon. Uh, gives good miner. Well, I suppose he could be like a bit like a mole with those teeth as Trantis. Um, Ronald Rich is Trantis in... Mission to the Unknown, but Ronald Rich is a very tall actor. He's Gunnar the Giant in The Time Meddler. So uh, the, the one who has a similar costume to Roy Evans in this, in Mission to the Unknown, therefore isn't Trantis. So the, the, the names and the costumes, there's, there's no continuity between, or there's muddled continuity uh, between, between Mission to the Unknown and Dalek's Master Plan. The delegates are a source of great... Uh, debate and research. Jack Rayner is the is the person to uh, to seek her blog where she uh, she she proffers the evidence. 
Uh, of course, these are the techniques, aren't they? Where basically get a load of bald guys. Again, uh, how can we make all the technicians slightly distinctive? Let's get a load of bald actors or let's shave some actors' heads. And I know there's, there's publicity photos of... Uh, Somebody having their hair cut, isn't there? And a few publicity photos of Hartnell and the bald men, but not of Hartnell and the aliens. I mean, I, uh, I, I suspect those uh, the ones of Hartnell and the bald men were maybe from episode one um, and, and the photographer wasn't. But who took the photo of Marvick, Chen and Zephon? Was that from episode three? I don't think it was. It must be from here. Um, so therefore, why are there none of uh, the other aliens? But at least we have this now. Uh, which means we have a very intriguing alien-filled episode. Uh, Camfield's use of close-ups is excellent. That 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 camera pan along is really really good. Um, the Doctor's proactive. You know he's disguised himself as uh, as uh, this. I think slightly dulls the luster of the of the delegates having them run about a bit conf confusingly and confusedly. Uh, but it, the scene needs the mayhem. I just uh, I just don't think it does them any favours. Uh, and, and especially poor old Zephon now, uh, sort of toddling in. <laughs> but we do get to see his face. Uh, uh, oh, and the moving pictures are about to end. She is. From, she is. You're. You're the strange being, love. Um, and and Purvis is great at the heroic stuff. And. Uh, Courtney's, you know, the camera's having to stay on Courtney while he's just sort of doing his business and he, he carries it off well. And then here we go. Uh, he's pressing all the buttons possible to take off. Next episode, Devil's Planet. We can't see it. Uh, but look at that. Um, that's the end of episode two. The, uh, the day of Armageddon. So exciting when that turned up. Uh, this was the first thing I watched when I got the Lost in Time DVD that I'm watching it on now. I'd presumably the next time I watch it, well, uh, we'll be on some sort of season three Blu-ray. Uh, or maybe I'll watch, um, I don't know, it's a speed they're coming out. There's not one on the cards as far as I know. Uh, it's just it's a while since I've seen this. So look, uh, you know, it's probably as long ago. Um, I consider this one of the more, more recent discoveries as well. But of course, there's been quite a few since. Um, what's my... F oh... I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to invoke Marvik Chen sooner rather than later, just because if I do it before Ian, I still get the points. If Ian does it a bit later, so if I choose something before Ian chooses it, I get the point. That's only fair because if he chooses something, I can never choose it in subsequent episodes. So I think I'm gonna play this Joker early. Well, it's not a Joker. It's just that somebody's bound to somebody. Uh, Ian is bound to choose Marvik Chen at some point and I, I, I'm not cheating he's so good in that um, I mean I love the alien delegates I, I, I love that shot of Zephon uh, and that, that brilliant set um, and the lighting the lighting was superb in that episode but I think I've got to I've got to take Chen for all those lovely deft little things that Kevin Stoney does so Marvick Chen and Kevin Stoney because I know that Ian will choose choose that character and that actor sooner rather than later so uh, where are we with uh, episode two, Ian? What you got for me? So Ian, on episode two, what's his thing? Then episode two, Day of Armageddon. I particularly like the scene in that episode, which thankfully survives, when the delegates go down the ramp one by one. And you see all these aliens. Now, we saw some of the aliens before, in Mission to the Unknown, but uh, 
in this episode, uh, you see more of them. And what's particularly interesting is the music, the eerie music, which is played. Now, music has always played a big part in Doctor Who. I think when the Radiophonic Workshop uh, took over uh, uh, using the incidental music um, in the early uh, John Nathan Turner era, uh, it was good. But I think that the early episodes had very eerie and spooky music, and that really added to the program. So the second episode, uh, Day of Armageddon, I would say the delegates coming down the ramp and the eerie music. Yeah, it is a brilliant scene, and I was getting tongue-tied, sort of acknowledging uh, the fact that uh, Kevin Stone is... Uh, makeup and the conception of Chen may be awkward to a 20th century, 21st century audience, which just goes to show, um, <laughs> I don't know what it goes to show, but <laughs> I, I got I got distracted. I suppose it's important to point that stuff out. Although, you know, is it? Because I, you know, I trust your intelligence and, uh, uh, and, 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 and I know you probably know that, but we're, I'm sort of programmed to do it, which isn't a bad thing, I suppose. Um, but I'd have had more fun talking about the funny aliens and the lovely music. But there we go. Um, well, look, uh, that was episode two. If And I was close to choosing the aliens. Would I have, if I'd chosen the aliens, would I have been allowed that? Well, he did specify the music as well. So maybe I wouldn't have been allowed that anyway. But I still think I sort of narrowly missed out on a point there. But if he chooses Marvik Chen later, I think I'm going to get a point but i also lose a point because if he chooses an episode if he chooses marvick chen and say episode six um well whatever i choose for episode six i'm not going to get a point for i'm only going to get a retrospective point it's very confusing isn't it anyway uh we'll take a trip to the devil's planet next time and uh, the pictures have stopped moving again but uh, what a thrill that we can see the day of armageddon and now it's the night of behado as in the night 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 and I will speak to you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Ian K. McLachlan. These commentaries would be impossible without the support of patrons, who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Nick Tedston, David Anonymous, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Carrington, Paul Cook, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford Kelk, Chris Phone, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Barry Platt, Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, Will Brooks, Rick Byatt, Robin Bland, Alex Cafejoglu, and everyone else who I will mention at another time. The music was by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Well, listen up. If you would like to be among their number, those names I just read out, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock and sign up for as little as £3 a month. And there's even a 10% discount on top of that if you sign up for a year in advance. There are advance releases, there are patron exclusives and bonus material and all sorts of other little goodies uh, if you can't commit to the monthly thing. 
Uh, there's Kofi, where if you're feeling bounteous or I'm sounding particularly malnourished, you can throw some metaphorical coffee in my direction of whatever denomination you choose. That's at kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But I know times are tough and listen, I'm just grateful that you download and hopefully enjoy this stuff. But do you know what? If you want to spread the word, that costs you absolutely nothing. Go to uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give these a five-star review. They really help five-star reviews to get us to the top of the algorithm charts and uh, leave a couple of lines of review as well just to make me appealing to any passing trade. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock, these podcasts at Haydock Podcasts, and my comedy club, XS Malarkey, at XS, the letter X, the letter S, Malarkey. That comedy club is in Manchester every Tuesday night at 8pm, and it's online at twitch.tv forward slash XS Malarkey on the first Sunday of every month, although if you go there now, there's an archive and highlights of previous shows. Now then, eagle-eared listeners who stay to the bitter end, I've tried something a bit different with this one. I'm not in my booth currently. I'm watching the birds. Oh, fly in unison to the ooh, rather empty bird feeder, so I need to fill that. But also, I've got a dog who's chewing the carpet and the washing machine in the background. Can you hear those things? Is it worth me uh, retiring to the booth and unplugging bits and bobs and stuff? Or is actually this one sound just the same as uh, as all of the others and therefore I've been wasting my time to give you the most pleasant listening experience that you can uh, whilst not retaking the word pleasant when I pronounce it pleasant as I just did um, for fear of uh, you hearing the fact that yes I like other mortals have to do the washing occasionally and have a washing machine um, so yeah well I hope you've enjoyed experiencing or not my washing machine this is the stuff you hang around till the end for <laughs>